stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, in the context of uh, the Second World War, we don't often think of uh, September 2nd as a significant day, but it certainly was. It was 75 years ago today that the documents were signed accepting the surrender of Japan. And there was a Canadian, Colonel Lawrence Cosgrave, who was on hand, signed the wrong line of the document, as a matter of fact. But it certainly speaks to, I think, A, Canada's significant role in World War II, but also the fact that most of us really don't know the name Lawrence Cosgrave or a lot of other aspects of Canada's involvement in the Second World War. And there's probably a lot of reasons for that. Maybe a desire by Canadians at the time, at the end of the war, just to move on. I I think as well as the years went by, there was maybe more of a focus on emphasizing Canada's role as, as peacekeeper. And maybe it gave us a different kind of identity that set us apart from the Americans or the Brits. I certainly get the sense that in more recent years, uh, there's been a push to reemphasize that aspect of our history. And as we've gone through various significant anniversaries, the Second World War and particular events involving Canadian troops, it's been an opportunity maybe to relearn or rediscover some of these significant moments. But why is it? Why is it that we have not marked our involvement in this important part of Canada's history to the same extent that our allies have? Well, these are questions explored in an important new book uh, that looks at uh, all of this. Historian Tim Cook is the author of The Fight for History, 75 Years of Forgetting, Remembering, and Remaking Canada's Second World War. He joins us on the line here this afternoon. Tim, so great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. I understand you almost called this book uh, Deafening Silence, which speaks to, I guess, your concern about a lot of this. Well, What prompted you to write this book in the first place? Well, it's my 13th book, and uh, I'm very lucky to work at the Canadian War Museum in Ottawa, um, and I've been studying our two world wars for about 25 years, writing about them, um, visiting the archives, uh, talking to veterans my whole life. My grandfather served in Bomber Command in the Second World War, and I wanted to understand the Second World War, as, as you've just mentioned there, and its place in Canadian history and Canadian society. I wrote a book on Vimy in 2017 called The Battle and the Legend, and I was at Vimy Ridge for the 100th anniversary. You may remember 25,000 Canadians were there, and I thought, isn't that stunning to be a part of this, this incredible event? And I thought, why isn't there a similar touchstone for the Second World War? How do we think about the Second World War? Why haven't we celebrated our incredible service and sacrifice? And and I think of 1.1 million Canadians who served in uniform. That was from a country of 11 million. So one in 10 Canadians served in uniform from 1939 to 1945. Uh, A staggering contribution from our country. Uh, in the factories, we produced the weapons of war. Uh, our, our farmers uh, fed the British nation. Canadians f- defended our country. We fought around the world. We fought in the Far East. We fought at Hong Kong. We fought at Dieppe. We fought Sicily. A hundred thousand Canadians fought in the Italian campaign. We were there on D-Day, standing shoulder to shoulder with the British and the Americans. It goes on. Your listeners will know the stories of Nor- uh, Normandy and, and, and the Scheldt and defeating the Germans. And the Rhineland and liberating the Dutch and the air war and the war at sea. It goes on and on. And yet, 
we have done a poor job in talking about our history, and we have done a poor job in teaching it. And I, I think that's true in a really broad sense, but you do touch on something that's interesting and, and where there's kind of a disconnect between you know, our history around the First World War and in the Second World War. And as you're talking about in the book, maybe part of that involves what we did in the aftermath of the First World War in terms of building monuments and ensuring that stories were being told. What, what are some significant differences as, as you see the post-war period of World War One and the post-war period of World War Two? Yeah, I think that's important. Um, the Great War was a, just a tremendous traumatic shock to Canada. Fifty years into Confederation, we were fighting over in Flanders, 620,000 Canadians who served. The Canadian Corps under the command of Sir Arthur Currie from June of 1917. We had nation-building events like, like Vimy, which became a really powerful nation-building symbol. Now, we shouldn't forget that the war also tore us apart along conscription lines. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the 66,000 killed in that war left, left deep sorrow across this country. And after the war, after the victory... Canadians tried to make meaning of that war. They, they, we built thousands of memorials across the country. There are many in Calgary, in Alberta, across the country. At the national level, there's Vimy and Beaumont Hamel overseas. We had the National Memorial unveiled in 1939. Often we talk about the war as forever changing us, a coming-of-age event. But then what did we do for the Second World War? Well, our greatest contribution was when the veterans came back, about a million, remember 45,000 were killed, another 55,000 badly wounded. We, our, our major contributions were not to build the same memorials. Well, what we did is that we had the Veterans Charter, and so we sent veterans to university, and they had loans to, um, uh, to start businesses and to buy houses. And, of course, the baby boom uh, really emerges from 1946 onwards. We were looking forward, not backwards. And so there's a very different, as you've said there, the way that the war ended and that as the veterans returned and as we moved forward was quite different. And that contributes to the great silence, as I argue. Um, there were a number of books that were published in 1945, 46, 47. But after that, it's very hard to find poetry or or uh, novels or even history books on Canada's contribution, and especially films, because films are so important in shaping the memory. And the Americans and the British made their films, and think of The Longest Day, and then uh, more recently, Saving Private Ryan. We've all seen these films, Band of Brother, and nonetheless, Canada's story is just not there. Again, we haven't done a good job in telling our story. You know, and it's... For us here today, and and we lament the fact that there are so few World War II veterans still with us who who can speak firsthand about what happened. Um, But of course, they they were all over in, in, you know, the late 40s and early 50s. They they were young. They had, you know, these memories were all fresh in their minds. Obviously, they were traumatic memories for for a lot of them. And I'm, I'm sure many of them maybe preferred to not talk about them. But we, we didn't take advantage of that opportunity at the time to, to give them voice and to ask them to share their stories. Why, why was that? Well, it's something I talk about in the book, and you're right. I think we have a much greater sense today of things like post-traumatic stress disorder and the challenges that veterans have in talking about war. I've traveled the country. I've spoken about my my books, my research. The thing I have heard most from Canadians 
consistently is I wish I'd been able to ask those questions of my father or my grandfather or my grandmother. I wish I had known the questions. I wish they had been willing to talk more. Uh, veterans, I talk about this in the book, and I interviewed veterans and have over the last 20 years, and they talk about the challenges. I, they couldn't find the words. They couldn't um, share these stories often with other people, and they were moving on with their lives. As you say, they were young people. They were starting families. Uh, and so there was a silence there, and it took a long time for us to come back and to ask the right questions and to create the space for veterans to talk about their experiences. And the, the subtitle of the book, of course, is of 75 years of forgetting, remembering, and remaking. And the remaking, I think, uh, happened quite recently in the 1990s as veterans were, were retiring from their working lives, as they watched their comrades pass away from age. They began to talk more. We began to listen. We see a rise in attendance uh, to rem- at Remembrance Day ceremonies. We see new museums opening, new history books. Uh, we've never been very good at telling our, our stories on film, but nonetheless, uh, you know, across the country, the children and the grandchildren of these veterans began to talk and ask questions, and often to record their stories, um, and, and uh, you know. In these last 25 years, we have begun to pay more attention, but sadly, as you have said, as the veterans have passed away, the 1.1 million who served, we are now down to fewer than 30,000. So as Canada, you know, looked looked forward, sort of moved on from, from the war, a little over a decade later, uh, in, in 1956, Canada plays a significant role in, in the first UN peacekeeping mission. Lester B. Pearson wins the Nobel Prize, of course. And it's a big moment in, in Canada's history, to be sure. But, but how did that change our, our perception of ourselves and, and how we perceive our, our military history? Yeah, I think the symbol of the peacekeeper is an important one when we, we talk about the uh, the way we we have uh, remembered and discussed and memorialized war. Um, Pearson's Nobel Peace Prize for the Suez Crisis is an important event in our history, and I'm very proud of it. I'm proud of our peacekeepers. I'm I'm proud of the way that Canada has often stepped out onto the world stage to help other countries deal with conflict. And yet, the comfortable symbol, and I stress comfortable symbol of the peacekeeper, allowed us to distinguish ourselves from the Americans, which was important in the 60s and 70s, but it also diminished the fact that we were a war-fighting nation. We fought six wars in the 20th century alone, the South African War, the Great War, the Second World War, the Korean War. There was the Cold War. There was the Gulf War in 1990. We could even include the Kosovo bombing campaign. So we've had a lot of war in the 20th century, and yet we often see ourselves as peacekeepers. And I would argue that that was a way that diminished our commitments, our service, our incredible sacrifice, uh, the way that Canada punched far above its weight during the Second World War. As you alluded to, in, in recent years, there has been, a, I think, maybe a, a reemphasis or rediscovering of, of this history. But but are, are we where we need to be? What what more needs to be done, do you think? Well, I, I called the book The Fight for History, and there could have been other titles, but I, I do see this as a fight. Um, history is not the most important things in, in most people's lives. We live in a very digital age of constant 
bombardment of information, it's difficult to sit and, and still ourselves and to think about those in the past. But it's important. I mean, our contributions during the Second World War, just to take one example, forever changed our country. The war itself, as we know, killed 60 to 75 million. It it remade the world. It led to the decolonization of empires. It saw the rise of the Soviet Union as a superpower in the United States. It led to the Cold War. Um, these are just some of the, the changes that forever changed Canada. Uh, you know, closer to home, you know, uh, we created a social security net that had never occurred before. We had uh, veterans in our society. So this is a war that still resonates today, um, and we have to fight for it. I think there still needs to be champions. I know in Calgary there's a very strong community of, of those who who know military history at the University of Calgary. It is taught uh, at the museum, uh, the former museum of the regiments there. Uh, and yet across the country, we must remember and we must put the effort in, I think, uh, especially to teach young people uh, about our history. And I'm not talking about heroic history and chest-thumping mm-hmm. history. I'm talking about the good and the bad and the heroes and the villains. And yet we shouldn't shy away from it. We shouldn't be afraid of our own history. We shouldn't want to cancel our own history. We need to bravely face the past so that we can understand the present and to to go forward into the future. Yeah, well said. Uh, That book is uh, called The Fight for History, 75 Years of Forgetting, Remembering, and Remaking Canada's Second World War. Tim Cook, thank you so much for making some time for us here today. Really appreciate this. Thank you. All the best. Uh, That is historian Tim Cook, author of several books on Canada's military history, his latest, The Fight for History. And he says it is a fight, not against anyone in particular, but really in a lot of ways, I think, as he says, almost a fight against apathy, a fight against indifference. And, And it is important to overcome that because ultimately this does matter. And maybe there are those who would rather focus on other aspects of our history. Uh, who would only want to focus on the good, or maybe those who, who only see the bad. But it, it's, it's all part of Canada's story. And certainly if you're telling the story, the history of this country, and that period, you know, 39 to 45, is immensely important. All right, our number here, 403-974-TALK, 974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.